engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. We have a red alert. This is a big issue. This is a red alert. A baboon has escaped an American Airlines flight and is currently on the loose at the San Antonio airport. No word on if this baboon's name is Caesar, but folks, this is how it all begins. It's the beginning of the end, the rise of the apes. I'm telling you, they're coming for us. We're past the anniversary of the founding of Skynet. This is all woven together. You just, this is the apocalypse. People are really freaking out about this baboon. It's running around the San, uh, San Antonio airport. They've allegedly got it cornered near the baggage area, but they can't catch it yet. Goodness gracious. Okay, the spying. We have Casey Cagle at the bottom of the hour. I, I want to talk to him, let him have a closing argument on his campaign. The spying, though, the spying. Y'all, I, I want to tell you that I believe that both sides are gaslighting us gaslighting is when essentially people telling you you can't believe your lion eyes that um, they convince you that what you're seeing isn't so or that you're what you're not seeing is something else there's that great star trek next generation uh multi-part episode where picard is captured by the cardassians and they keep trying to tell him that there are more lights and they're torturing him trying to convince him that that the number of lights he sees is different that's essentially gaslighting except they were using torture in that case um, the the Trump campaign wants us to all believe that Barack Obama ordered FBI and Department of Justice agents to spy on his campaign to see what he was up to for political motivation. It's Watergate all over again. The Obama folks want us to believe that the FBI and Department of Justice were pure as the driven snow. They had no political motivations whatsoever. I don't think either of these things is true. I, I think the truth is in the middle. And I have been reading both sides all day. I mean, I've got a headache from reading both sides uh, all day long. Not just that I read both sides, but all day. I've been on the phone all day. I've been talking to people, trying to figure this out. What exactly is going on here? And there are a lot of things that are going on. But it all comes back to this that there were real allegations made from abroad and domestically that the Russians were trying to influence the election. They did not have a side. They wanted to influence the election. What is left unremarked on by Democrats in all of this is that uh, the Russians were also playing on the Hillary side. Uh, let's not forget John Podesta's brother, the lobbyist. He had ties to the Russians. That doesn't get brought up a lot on the left as they protect their own. Uh, but this was the Russians trying to sow discord into the American political process. And to the extent that they picked Trump as the winner, it's not that they thought Trump was going to win the election. It's not even that they wanted to steal the election for Trump. It's that they wanted to give Clinton a run for her money and they wanted to boost the Trump campaign to make Americans turn inwardly and fight against each other. And they have succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. This entire process we're going through right now is orchestrated by the Russians. And to the extent Americans are yelling at each other over what happened or didn't happen, the Russians are winning. And that you can take to the bank. Now, what about this individual, this supposed spy, um, this guy who may or may not have been a spy, Stefan Halper? 
Um, here is why I know that the Trump surrogates are distorting the facts of what happened to a degree. I know they're doing it because they are completely distorting what happened in 1980 and are resurfacing Democrat allegations from 1980 that Ronald Reagan had spies in the Carter campaign. That has been proven repeatedly to not be true, and yet it's surfacing again today by left-wing reporters, and notably, I think it, it, it's fair to say, surfacing by reporters who also have questionable ties to Russia. Yet again, sowing more discord. Uh, let me tell you about what Stephen Halper did for Ronald Reagan, why it wasn't spying. So Stephen Halper, he's an academic, and he is suspected to be an FBI informant on the Trump campaign. Uh, he was recommended for a senior role in the Trump administration by uh, Peter Navarro, the trade guy who is a liberal nut job. Um, he, Halper did not get put in a senior position, but he was involved with people in the in the Trump campaign and talked a lot to Carter Page. Now, here's what we know about what happened with Ronald Reagan. Um, Stephen Halper was involved in the Reagan campaign in 1980. He had worked for the State Department. And he is alleged by Democrats, he was going back to the 1980s, he was alleged to be a spy within the Carter camp for Ronald Reagan. That's not true. Democrats controlled the House of Representatives and they investigated it. You will recall, I hope, that the Democrats even investigated the absurd allegation that George H.W. Bush, uh, the vice president of the United States at the time, former CIA director, had gotten on an SR-71 Blackbird and flown to Spain to convince the Iranians not to release the hostages that they were holding at the time and then flew back to make it home in time for a debate. That's why he had to have flown on an SR-71 Blackbird. Completely nonsensical story that the Democrats were willing to investigate. They were also willing to investigate Stefan Halper. What happened was that the Reagan campaign team was pulling ahead of Jimmy Carter. And they were convinced that Carter was going to pull out all the stops to get the hostages back before the election so that he could win. Stephen Halper had been in the State Department, was friends with people on the Reagan team, and he was no longer in a position to be able to spy on Democrats or the plans that the Carter administration might have had to negotiate with the Iranians. But what he had and what others had were friends who did not like Jimmy Carter. Most of them were not in government. They were retired generals and whatnot. And they all decided that they would keep their ear to the floor if the rumor mill got wind of the fact that Carter was doing something. This wasn't direct spying. It was paying attention to gossip within Washington, D.C., and they would feed back the gossip to the Reagan team. And it turned out the Reagan team largely concluded that there was nothing in the works. They were fearing this October surprise, and it was nothing. There was no outright spying. There was no one inside the Carter team, and there was no one inside the Carter administration feeding confidential information to the Reagan team. It was retired people who still had friends within government who were paying attention to the gossip to see if anything percolated on the gossip. That's all it was. Well, people are coming out today and saying, look what happened. You, you had the Reagan people had, had spies within Carter. This could happen. That's not what happened with Reagan. And what happened here is with the Trump campaign, and again, the underlying reason for the investigation was not the Christopher Steele dossier. 
It was not. And I know a lot of people believe that because it keeps getting repeated on Fox News and elsewhere, but that's not true. What happened is you had Carter Page and Paul Manafort and several others all had serious ties to bad people in Russia. And the human intelligence and signal intelligence within the intelligence community started percolating that the Russians were trying to play the American election. And when they saw, when they confirmed, and by the way, it's true, the Russians were trying to play the election, and they saw that Carter Page and Paul Manafort and several others had ties to the individuals that were surfacing in intelligence, they began to investigate. And guess what they found? No criminal activity on the part of the Trump campaign. Now, yeah, Donald Trump Jr., let's not forget, Donald Trump Jr. said, yes, they were looking for dirt on Hillary Clinton. That was one of the reasons they were meeting with the Russians. But none was forthcoming. So it wasn't a criminal investigation because there were no allegations of crimes. Now, subsequently, a number of people have pled guilty to crimes. It was an intelligence investigation, a counterintelligence investigation, because it involved the Russians trying to manipulate the election. Now, I've got a friend who pays attention to this stuff, who, who follows along the rabbit trails, and he's wondering where this Halper situation comes in, is was Carter Page actually an informant to the FBI? And did Halper and Page investigate each other? Did they have questions about each other? And so they were both turning each other in. Now, why would this friend of mine say this? Well, remember, Carter Page had been in military intelligence, and he's given multiple lengthy interviews to the Mueller investigators, and he is the only person to go through that series of interviews of that length and be investigated with FISA warrants and not be charged with anything. So it does beg the question, if he's the only guy who's had uh, FISA investigations in him, has given multiple lengthy interviews to, to the Mueller investigators, was Carter Page an informant? And was he informing on Stephen Halper, who got involved with the Trump campaign to inform on Carter Page because neither one knew that the other was an informant? And this was all a big circle. See, remember, all of this was about the Russians. It had nothing to do with the Trump campaign. To the extent it had something to do with the Trump campaign, it was that Trump was hiring people who were connected to the Russians who the signal intelligence showed were trying to disrupt the election. Donald Trump never knew that. So again, there's no crime because Trump had no knowledge. It's these other people, the ones who are getting indicted, who have the issues, and their indictments are stemming from other allegations. I think both sides are screaming at the other and trying to make us disbelieve everything. There's a kernel of truth in all of this. There was an investigation into the Russians. They really did want to subvert the American election. And to the extent we're all yelling at each other about this, they worked. Folks, I have an incredible tale of local corruption. And the story broke so late on Friday that uh, the local media hasn't even been able to catch up to it. So, you know, last week I told you up in Forsyth County, there's a lady, uh, Joanna Cloud. She is running against Sherry Gilligan in the state house. She's been bragging for well over a week that she got $6,000 from members of the state legislature, Republicans who hate Sherry Gilligan so much. Um, and, and that clearly the Republicans in the legislature wanted her and wanted her to defeat Sherry Gilligan up in Forsyth County. Well, I pulled up her disclosures and there was no $6,000 and she'd been bragging about it for over a week. I've got the screenshots from social media. 
Late Friday, she filed a 48-hour notice. Under Georgia law, if you receive more than $1,000 in contributions uh, in the run-up to the election, you've got to file a 48-hour disclosure showing you what you spent or, or raised in excess of $1,000. She got three donations totaling $6,000 from three tax hikers in the state house. Yeah, the three Republicans most likely to raise taxes are the ones who are supporting this lady, Joanna Cloud. She'd been bragging about it for over a week and waited until the Friday before the election near the close of business to file her disclosure uh, so that no one could report it. She should have reported it more than a week ago when she started bragging about it on social media because of the 48-hour disclosure rule, but she didn't because she didn't want the people in Forsyth County to know that the three Republicans supporting her are the ones who've been trying to raise taxes, who have authored repeat tax increase bills. This is someone who wants to be your elected official and is scared to actually show you who her donors are. I think the people in Forsyth County may need to stick with Sherry Gilligan. It is 539, Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800, WSB-TALK. Joining me now, the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Georgia, Casey Cagle from the Campaign Trail. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. Great to be with you today. We're up in Walker County uh, right now on our statewide fly around, and things have been great. We've got eight stops today, and uh, the people have been very, very uh, supportive, and we're excited about uh, going into until tomorrow. I need to pay you a compliment. I, I have watched these debates and, you know, I, I think you have actually convinced me that you're right on the income tax sales tax issue, that having the broad base in an economic downturn, you're, you're not risking your, your income as much. And uh, you gave a really good answer to that during the debate. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. Uh, Eric, as you know, I mean, obviously there's there's great opportunity to continue to reduce taxes. And we have uh, this year, uh, from 6% at the top rate to 5.5. And I believe fundamentally that we can get it under 5% on the, um, on the income side. But you have to do it in a very methodical way that makes uh, fiscal sense because you can't jeopardize the well-being of, of the state. And so I've got a record and clearly I, you know, have been focused on greater fiscal responsibility and as governor, it's going to be exciting to be in a position to put zero-based budgeting and program-based budgeting in place to where you really begin to focus on outcomes and what the core competencies of state government is. And by doing – and the reason this is important is because the governor's the one that sets the budget. So we're going to be able to dictate that, and we're going to see great savings as a result. And then what you know we're doing on the education side, I want to see poverty cut in, in, in half. I want to see able-bodied work workers back at, at you know at, at the workplace and not being dependent on government in this entitlement system. This is one of our great challenges of the day, and I think it is incumbent upon me to step up and do it. And uh, so, but I do appreciate you saying that all the time. So, you know, a personal question for you. You're, you're up in Walker County. How exhausted are you with this being the last day of the governor's race? You have been all over the state. <laughs> well, you're right, um, and, and sadly enough, I have a sinus infection on top of that. Oh, but, geez. You know, and, and I'm a little a little hoarse just because you're talking so much. But 
You know, I mean, yeah, am I exhausted? Absolutely. Will I drag myself into bed tonight? No question. Um, But you feed off the energy, too. I mean, there is so much support and so much momentum that I feel, and people genuinely are just thrilled. I mean, I just had a lady that, and not to over-spiritualize things, but just had a lady just pull me out of out of the crowd and said, I just feel like the Spirit's moving me to pray for you. And I tell you, that's the thing that just, it, 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 it just gives you the energy that you need to keep pushing because you know that this is not about me. It's not about, you know, anything other than, you know, a calling that I feel on my life and more importantly, you know, uh, the ability to serve our great state. Well, Lieutenant Governor, here it is. Uh, this is the the day before the election. Here's your open mic opportunity to tell the voters why they should vote for Casey Cagle tomorrow. Well, thank you. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, obviously, I I fought and won on things that that I think we as conservatives believe in deeply. Uh, I defunded Planned Parenthood, put for the first time grant processes in to help assist those uh, crisis pregnancy centers. Nita and I were a part of that. But not only that, I fought and won on immigration, particularly on the issue of sanctuary cities, where we just finally got a ruling that uh, Decatur was actually violating that that policy in itself. But I've also fought and won on Second Amendments, why the NRAs endorsed me. And I've, I've taken some bold steps, and I've, ta- I've got the stripes on my back for doing it, but it's the right thing to do for conservatives, and we have to stand up and fight. Otherwise, the liberals are going to continue to you know push it down our throat. But then, lastly, is really the economy. I mean, this state is the ninth largest economy in America. You put that in perspective. We are about to hire a CEO to run the ninth largest economy in America. And so we need a proven, consistent conservative who understands tax policy, who understands the public policy issues of the state, who also understands economic development and has been at the table negotiating through those things. I am that person. And so I have the experience, and a lot of people don't like to use that term, but the reality is this is too important to gamble. And I am that person who has uh, had the experience and who also has the consistent conservative record to back it up. And so I think uh, that's the biggest close that I can give you, and obviously I'd love to have <laughs> every every uh, every one of your listeners uh, uh, across the great uh, WSB uh, to, to really – consider voting for us and i promise every single day i will work as hard as i can to make you proud both on the fiscal issues but the social issues as well well look thanks for taking the time good luck and get some rest tonight all right god bless thank Thank you you. lieutenant governor casey cagle on the campaign trail in walker county the election is tomorrow now when we come back i do want to get into the governor's debate uh from sunday night uh the wsb debate and there's other local news and local races out there as well but we've got so much more on what's happening in washington including this bizarre attack on nikki haley that's coming the politico critics say uh, critics are unhappy with the way uh, Nikki Haley uses her Twitter account. Why? Because she blends the personal with the professional. She dares to say on Twitter, 
that she and her husband are going on a date night. And that has outraged the critics in Washington, D.C. Really what this is is that someone wanted to do a hit job on Nikki Haley. They got nothing, so they're going to complain about her Twitter feed. Meanwhile, everyone else in America is thinking, hey, you know, if the president used his Twitter feed like, like her, we would all be in a more stable situation right now. It just, the whole thing is ridiculous. Uh, and also, there actually, is there a coup? It looks like there's, the, I'm not talking about the Trump administration, in the House of Representatives, an effort to force out Paul Ryan now because the Republicans in the House think it could help them in November to force a vote on Nancy Pelosi as Speaker. It is 54 after the hour. We are slightly more than 24 hours. We're really 25 hours and five minutes away from the polls closing in Georgia. Uh, the one thing that you will be able to be certain about tomorrow, and by the way, I, I will be here through the night tomorrow as the, as the returns come in. Uh, the thing that you will be absolutely positively assured of come tomorrow night is that Fulton County will not get its results in in an orderly fashion. That That is like the, the one constant in Georgia politics is that Fulton County will screw something up tomorrow night. Um, I, I would love to say I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but um, I don't think that I am, and I think you know I'm right. Now, there is an attack on Nikki Haley. I mentioned uh, this political story, and it really is just a stupid story. Uh, you, you know, one of the things that I say with the investigation into Donald Trump is what would my view be if this was a Democrat? Uh, if there were Russians trying to make campaign contributions or whatnot, as there were with the Clinton Foundation uh, you, or to Barack Obama or something, you would raise red flags. When we see Russians trying to do this to the Trump team, I think we should raise red flags. Um, we can say it didn't happen. We can look into it, but I think we should look into it. And the same thing with this story. Would this be written about an Obama administration official? Headline, Nikki Haley's Twitter account raises protocol concerns. Subheading, Critics question the U.N. ambassador's mixture of the personal and official online. Ever since she took over as the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley's personal Twitter account's been an object of fascination for the diplomatic set. On the Nikki Haley handle, the rising Republican star poses pictures of her dearest friends, showers love on her dog Bentley. Bentley is a great dog, by the way. You all need to meet Bentley. But she also denounces Russian actions in Syria and chides U.N. nations for voting against the U.S., and then there are music recommendations. Seriously, y'all, this is this is not something that would ever be written about an Obama administration official who did the same thing. And it's not that they wouldn't, it's that they did and the story wasn't written. This is just a, oh, hey, we need a negative story about Nikki Haley. Let's criticize her tweets. It's nonsense. When we come back, the nonsense in the gubernatorial race. 24 hours to go here. It is 8 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB. I am going to do something this hour that I do every two years. And it's just this hour. 
after I have an opening monologue here, because i got some thoughts I want to share with you, we're going to open the phone lines. Your gubernatorial candidates, and we are restricting this to gubernatorial candidates, you can make your closing argument for why someone should vote for your preferred gubernatorial candidate at 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can call in and tell us why people should vote for your guy if you want. Um, I want to say two things about the governor's race. Um, there is, first of all, there there's not a, a ton of need to dwell on uh, the intricacies of the WSB debate from Sunday night. It was a very good debate. Uh, I don't necessarily know that we learned anything new, and that's not a fault of the debate organizers. It's that the candidates have just gotten so polished and are trying to differentiate themselves, but there's very little difference really between the candidates. Uh, it is built on experience. Uh, to, to Cagle's point, he's been around the longest and uh, feels he's the most experienced. About the only major issues are religious liberty, Clay Tippins, isn't in favor of signing RIFRA into law. The rest say they are. Um, and I say say they are as opposed to, to they will. I, I say that very cautiously there because uh, I don't know that all of them actually would. Um, the, the other issue is the income tax versus the sales tax. I do think ultimately that uh, Casey Cagle and Stacey Abrams has the same argument. Uh, they, they make a very compelling case for we can't abandon the income tax altogether in Georgia the way our economy is set up. Uh, in an economic downturn, we would have uh, there would be a negative impact on sales tax revenue, not necessarily income tax revenue. So we want some level of balance there. Although I have to say Hunter Hill makes a very persuasive case of how you could make that transition and how it would uh, economically offset an economic downturn. Um, the other big issue there is guns, and, and all the candidates have been piling on Hunter Hill for his statement on guns. I take him at his word that he misspoke. Um, he wants to have the, the legal age for guns and rifles to be 18. Um, I think he's a, I think Hunter Hill is a very sharp, good candidate. He's in a dogfight for second place. Uh, and his voters, I want you to hear me above all others. This is very important. Um, if you are a Hunter Hill voter, you better show up tomorrow because the last minute polling I'm seeing is a very close race for second place. And so I must also say that for Brian Kemp's voters, that if you want Brian Kemp in this runoff, you better go vote. The only sure person going into a runoff is Casey Cagle. He is going to get into a runoff. Um, there is a very, very tight race between uh, Brian Kemp and Hunter Hill for second place tomorrow. So turnout absolutely matters. Now, one last point to make before we check traffic and go to the phones. Um, and that is this. I think the Georgia Democratic race for governor is not getting the attention, and it is the much more interesting race. It is very much more interesting. The reason it's more interesting is because the Democrats are having a fight for the heart and soul of the Democratic Party, and it's happening in Georgia, and it's not getting a lot of national attention. Because if they go with Stacey Evans, what the Democrats are saying is that in states that have a large Republican influence, they have to moderate and they still have to build bridges with the blue-collar voters who voted for Obama and then flipped to Trump. If they go with Stacey Abrams, and it looks like they're going to go with Stacey Abrams, what they're saying is that they're going to have a post-Obama coalition of uh, well-educated, wealthy, white, secular voters and minority voters. And that's not a stable coalition. Largely, it's not a stable coalition because minority voters in this country happen to be the most socially conservative. And the Democrats are showing 
a serious drift to the left on social issues. And as they're making the serious drift to the left on social issues, they're turning off black and Hispanic voters. It is a very unstable coalition, but nobody wants to pay attention to that. It is a problem. Now, here's what we're going to do. When we come back, you get to make your pitch for your gubernatorial candidate at 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. All right, uh, we are going to go first with Ed in Ackworth. Uh, who's your candidate and why should people vote for him? Hunter Hill's the thinking man's authentic conservative. Two reasons, Eric. First of all, Hunter Hill's been willing to suffer for the conservative movement. He's taking political hits in the legislature for doing the right thing, and he did the right thing every time. Secondly, in very tough general elections, Hunter Hill's been willing to stick by his guns as a conservative, not abandon conservative positions when he's been under pressure, and that is the gold standard for Republicans. All right. Well said, Ed. Thanks very much for the phone call. Mark in Jefferson. Mark, who's your candidate? Good evening, Eric, and the rest of the audience. Uh, my candidate is Clay Tippins. Uh, my main reason for thinking this is he's a fresh face, he's not a career politician, and he's a former Navy SEAL, so he's able to adapt and overcome to any challenge you throw at the guy. I mean, he's a staunch conservative at that, so that's my candidate, Eric. You know, Mark, i got to tell you before you get off of here, I, I had to defend Clay this weekend. He, he's actually not my first choice, but I think he's a very good guy. And I really think these attacks on his business record are actually pretty pathetic. Um, I, I think he's got a much stronger business record than people want to give him credit for. And he really is a good guy. And I got to give a hats off to him for making uh, human trafficking a big issue because it is, and nobody ever wants to talk about the human trafficking issue. Uh, and I think we need to talk about the human trafficking issue. Uh, now, uh, my friend Wes from the State House, Wes Cantrell, welcome. Hey, Eric. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Okay, so who's your candidate? My candidate is Hunter Hill. All right. Why? Uh, many reasons. Uh, number one, Hunter and his wife, Shannon, are, are genuine people of faith. They don't just talk about God when it's convenient. They actually follow Christ. That's important to me as a, as a minister. Hunter's not a career politician, but he's been in it long enough to kind of understand how things work. You know, he spent five years down there, and we've got a record with Hunter. You know, some of the other outsiders, you don't really have a good record with them to know where they stand. And Hunter's record speaks for itself as a strong conservative, you know, limited government, personal responsibility, all the things that I'm looking for in a candidate. 100% pro-life. NRA gave him an A rating recently based upon his voting record, not based upon a survey that he filled out. So um, Hunter, he also understands the importance of education, wants to fully fund it, wants to focus on uh, infrastructure without raising our taxes. Plus, the big thing for me is he's the only candidate that's got a you know, real plan for eliminating the state income tax. With a, he's got a seven-year plan to do that safely without putting our state in jeopardy and, and moving us towards more of a consumption-based economy so we're not punishing people for achievement, which we do with the income tax. You said this very well. I appreciate it very much. It's good to talk to you as well. Good to talk to you, Eric. Thanks for giving me a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Wes Cantrell, he's uh, in the State House. Great, great conservative. One of the conservative stalwarts in the House. Uh, you know, as I'm doing the scorecard on conservatives in the legislature, uh, it is, it's, uh, I just enjoy seeing that Wes Cantrell is one of the guys who is always 
uh, on the right side of the issues. Uh, always the conservative. And I got to tell you guys real quick, uh, I'm looking at the call list. There are a lot of people calling in, and I'm going to let you all call. I'm going to let you all have your say. Uh, individually, you have reasons. There are a lot of Hunter Hill people out there who want to call in and say vote for Hunter Hill. I will, as long as I can take calls tonight, this is what I'm going to do. Um, the phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Call in, tell me who's your gubernatorial candidate, why should people vote for your gubernatorial candidate. I'm going to go on and take a break here so that I have more time for your calls on this issue on the other side. It is 24 after the hour. Uh, we're allowing people to call in and make their case for candidates. The phone number is 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. Back to the phones we go. Judy and Buckhead, you're up next. Who's your candidate? Hey, Eric. I support Hunter Hill 100%. Your call screener, who I didn't recognize, recognized me and told me to be brief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every, well, we got a ton of people. Okay, I know, but she made me be briefer than the rest. So here we go. He's a conservative, a real one a Christian, a real one, and he's a leader shown in military and in his private life. And my most important thing I want to say is I'm a, I'm a uh, NRA member, mm-hmm. but I'm very disappointed that they haven't given him the full thing. But I'm telling you, anti-illegal immigration is one of his things, and he's real, and he's not a politician. I think he's fabulous. All righty. Thanks very much, Judy. we got a lot of people who share that sentiment. And, folks, please do be brief because there are a ton of people who want to get on tonight, and I don't want to cut you all off, but I will if I have to. Bobby and Buford, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. I'm also voting for Hunter Hill. Um, he's a true blue conservative that stood up to the Republican leadership in Atlanta. What Republicans in Georgia need to realize is what's standing in the way of conservative reform is not Democrats in Atlanta. It's Republican leadership. And if we want to stop Cagle, it's going to have to be Hunter Hill in the runoff. Thank you very much, Bobby. I appreciate it very much. Uh, Billy in Dallas, you're next. Who are you supporting? Hey, Eric, how are you? Good, how are you? Uh, Good. Hey, I just wanted to throw a little bit out there about Hunter Hill. Uh, There's a reason the true conservatives in the state are backing Hunter uh, as well as Ted Cruz. And one more thing, a personal conversation I, I actually had with Hunter. His view is if you're old enough to defend this country at 18, you should be old enough to defend your family at 18. Thank you and have a good day. Thank you very much, Billy. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go with Marilyn and Marietta. Welcome. Hi, I'm supporting Brian Kemp. He's been a great Secretary of State. He'll be a great governor. And experience matters. We need an experienced man or woman to take the reins of the governorship of the state, and Brian Kemp will be a great governor. Thank you, Larry. Thank you very much, Marilyn. Let's see. Frank in Monroe, welcome. Yes, thanks for having me on, Eric. I am uh, My support's behind Clay Tippins for two reasons. One, he is a, from what I've read and studied, he is a conservative, a true conservative. And uh, two, he is—he's—he's he's not a career politician. I am done with the old boy network. I'm ready for some fresh faces. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, Frank. You know, Frank says that done with the good old boy network. There are a lot of people I've talked to who just feel like we need fresh faces in politics in Georgia. Uh, really, really are. All right, I got time in this segment for Brian in Hiram. Who's your candidate? 
Hey, Eric. Uh, I am currently going for uh, Clay Tippins as a previous veteran. Uh, I like his work. He's continuing to do uh, with medical marijuana. I could personally benefit from that greatly. So that's uh, one of the big reasons I'm going for him. Nice. Well, look, uh, he's a good guy. I've enjoyed getting to know him. Thanks very much, Brian. Uh, it, again, I, I said this earlier. I do think that the attacks on Clay have been... I think they've been over over the top. Uh, I, I disagree with them, uh, and he's not necessarily my first choice. He'd be a great governor. Um, I just I, I I do want someone who's committed to signing RIFRA into law, uh, and that's my big issue with him. But I like him otherwise, and so I just I would not believe those attacks on his business record. When we come back, who's your candidate, and why should you support him? It is 37 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Uh, what we are doing is allowing you guys to call in and say who you're voting for for governor and in why you think others should vote for that candidate. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Uh, let's go back to the phones to Michael. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Uh, I'm supporting Michael Williams for governor. And uh, uh, he was the first uh, state elected official to uh, come out and endorse Donald Trump's presidency. And uh, so he put his neck out on the line when a lot of people were highly critical of him for doing so. So he became the state chair for Donald Trump's campaign. And if you like Donald Trump's accomplishments, I think you're going to like uh, Michael Williams' accomplishments in draining the Georgia swamp, and I'm not talking about the Okie Finoki. So his <laughs> values and his uh, and his beliefs uh, pretty closely parallel Donald Trump. So if you and like also him, a a very successful small businessman who who has really he's he's a self-made man. And he's self-funding his campaign, and he's the only one who is. So a lot of us who are politically active, we want honest government and honest politicians, but that's almost an oxymoron because so many are beholden to uh, others because they fund their campaigns and they owe their livelihood to other special interests. And that's not so with Michael Williams. Well said, Michael. Thanks very much for that. 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. Jason in Social Circle, welcome. Yes, sir. I'm voting for Hunter Hill, mainly because I'm taking the ABC approach. Anybody but Cagle. <laughs> I, the the stunt that uh, Cagle did with the NRA and the Delta tax cuts, I think that was a political stunt. I'm an NAR member, NRA member, and I support him 100%, but I think that was nothing more than a polit- political stunt. All right, Jason, I appreciate it very much. Let's go back to the phones. Doug and Tucker, welcome. Who are you supporting? I'm from Michael Williams. Um, I heard uh, Monica talking Sunday morning, and uh, I just looked up after that, and uh, that's who I support. And can you tell me where it is in the polls? Uh, well, in some of them he's not registering, but in, in most he's around 5%, I think, 5 or 6%. Well, that's why they have primaries, I guess. Yep, I guess so. Maybe the polls are wrong, though, Doug. His campaign thinks the polls are wrong and that they've got good grassroots support around the state. So if so, he'll be in the runoff. If the polls are right, probably not. Uh, We will see. Cindy in Sandy Springs, you're up next. Hey, Eric. 
Um, I'm voting for Hunter Hill um, because I've been kind of watching what he's been doing since he was first elected. Right out of the gate, he uh, took on the uh, large alcohol beverage uh, lobbyist and passed a bill so that the microbreweries, the little yes, mom Hunter and pop was the guy who microbreweries. Who, yes. he fought, and I thought, man, that's a person who will be a David with Goliath, as far as I'm concerned. And I haven't seen anything that I haven't liked since he's been elected. Well, look, I appreciate you calling in. You are right on the craft beer sales. Hunter Hill was the guy who championed uh, craft beer legislation. Uh, he even had to fight um, folks in, in leadership in the House and the Senate in Georgia to get that legislation passed, and he successfully was able to get it done. Now, my apologies to those of you who are on the phone. I do want to mention, because I'm getting some texts from folks, who who else, uh, who all am I supporting? Let me just tell you where I am on these other races. Uh, The election is tomorrow, so you got to make up your mind tonight and go vote tomorrow. Uh, I am really torn between Brian and Hunter uh, for governor, Uh, and it's probably going to be one of those things where I make up my mind when I get in the voting booth tomorrow um i would vote for all the candidates uh i think that they would all make good gubernatorial candidates but um i i really want someone who's conservative and i know brian and hunter uh the best of all the candidates and i like both of them tremendously um but i will support whoever the nominee is um casey clay and and michael i think would make fine governors uh, for Secretary of State, it, it's Buzz Brockway for me. He's a longtime friend. Uh, Josh McCoon, also a great, great guy. Uh, good reformer would be a good, good choice. Uh, for Lieutenant Governor, I'm going with David Schaefer. He's a longtime friend, like Buzz is with Secretary of State. Uh, you can't go wrong with Jeff Duncan, though. He's a super conservative warrior. Uh, he will make you proud as well. Uh, for insurance commissioner, I, I think the only choice there is Jay Florence. Um, given the baggage the other guy has, uh, the Democrats will eat him alive and suddenly have a competitive statewide race uh, in the insurance commissioner, which we shouldn't have to lose one of those small seats. So go with Jay Florence for insurance commissioner. And then there's Sam Thomas out in Jackson County running against Tommy Benton. Uh, if you're out there in the state house, uh, support Sam Thomas. Greg Dozal up in Forsyth County is running uh, against uh, just, uh, you got to, there's really no choice up there. You got to go with Greg Dozal. Fine, fine guy up in Forsyth County for the state Senate. And Sherry Gilligan uh, for uh, the state house. Uh, You got a bunch of these corrupt guys up in Forsyth County coming after her because she opposes tax increases. Uh, You need to support Sherry Gilligan if you don't like tax increases because the people who like tax increases are opposed to her. So support her. Support David Stover. Uh, support Ken Pullen. These are great candidates for the state house and the state senate in your area. Marty Harbin as well in the state senate. Good conservatives. Um, those are who I'm supporting now. A buddy of mine takes the Kemp campaign will like this. Uh, if my my friend Matt just texted me and says, "Can I vote for Jake?" <laughs> No, you can't vote for Jake, but if you vote for Brian Kemp, I suspect we'll be seeing more of Jake on the campaign trail. Uh, back to the phones we go. Uh, Muhammad in Decatur, welcome. Hey, what's going on, Eric? So my candidate is Michael Williams. Uh like him because he's running a Trump-style uh, election. And um, conservative, self-funded. Uh, so I... Uh, I think uh, he's he's going to be my uh, my guy. 
There, let me ask you a question. Self-funding now has come up with, with two uh, people. That's one of the things, Michael, when I interviewed him, uh, really, really touched on that, that, that he didn't want to be perceived as being bought and paid for by interest. Do, do you, does the self-funding thing really stick out to you as something great that he's done? Uh, absolutely, uh, because he doesn't have to answer to anyone else other than the people who vote for him. Oh, absolutely. There you go, Muhammad. Thanks very much. All right. Last caller goes to Ken in Woodstock. Welcome. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I'm voting for Brian Kemp. He's personable. He's actually got a personality. He's authentic. Uh, he's got a sense of humor. He smiles. Can't say that for the other candidates. He's a small business guy. He's got lots of businesses, uh, real estate, ag business, financial services. And he's actually done stuff statewide. He's an executive leadership experience. He has been a legislator, I don't know, what, since eight years. He's fought in the Senate for cutting taxes, fees, and mandates on small business. And he's done some things at Secretary of State's office. So we don't need any OJT. We need somebody that has run a large organization in the government. And I think uh, Ken uh, Brian Kemp's the man. Hey, you know, Ken, before you get off here, I, I got to say something you bring up, that, to Brian's credit. The thing that I like about Brian Kemp more than anything else is that I have met a ton of politicians across the nation for a state office, for a federal office. Brian Kemp yeah. is just comfortable in his own skin. He, he's yeah. just, he enjoys himself. Uh, he enjoys what he's doing. Uh, he, if he loses, he loses. He goes home to his family. If he wins, he gets a great job, but he's just not stressed out about it. Absolutely. I like him. I, I, I've known him for a long time. I, I like Brian. He is a profoundly decent person. Thanks very much, Ken, for calling in. All right. Now we're going to step out. Um, I think we're done with that because we're not going to have a ton of time when we come back. But I appreciate your input here. I hope that helps some people make up their mind. We're still more news when we come back. Fifty-five after the hour. I am Eric Erickson here at WSB. Nathan Deal tweeted out earlier today uh, kind words about Casey Cagle, and many people are reading that as an endorsement. Though the Deal camp is saying it's not an endorsement. Um, now, Nathan Deal has very high regard across the state. Uh, polling shows very very popular um, the group that he's not popular with are social conservatives in the state because he promised to support RIFRA and sign it into law and then vetoed it uh, and Casey Cagle is now saying very much what Deal said uh, when he was running for governor that he would sign uh, a federal copy of RIFRA into law uh, something that Deal said he would do and then vetoed and and I'm wondering, well, you know, for example, we, we opened the phone lines up for an hour and we didn't get any calls uh, for Cagle, although he was in the first hour, so maybe he didn't have to. But there's just there's not a lot of grassroots support, I perceive, for Cagle out there. Um, but grassroots aren't the only people who vote. There are a lot of people who like Cagle, who find him a steady hand and think he's the one guy who hadn't lost his mind in the election. We'll find out tomorrow how it all shapes up.